0: We're back. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not back. Not any better, I don't it's, think. Uh my buddy's on Skype with his fucking parents. Is it and Is heater, heater watching porn? Honestly, I missed all that until uh, no one cares about it's going
1: what I'm saying <laughs> most.
0: Exactly. I never do, especially when we're playing Dicey D20. Exactly. So how is this different from any other time? Let's fucking do it. <laughs> Alright, welcome everyone to the Nat20 Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. And today we'll be talking about quest building. Today today we have... Uh... Woo! Okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I like quest building. I'm excited. Alright, so uh, with me today I have the Batman of our podcast. Who, who is that? <laughs> the Batman? Not the DM we deserve, but the one we need. Mr. Noah Primack. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> thank you very much. Great to be here. And uh, as you know, every Batman needs his Robin. So in front of me, we have our podcast Robin. Sidekick, you know. (laughs) Here for the assistant, Mr. Shane Kirkham.
1: Thanks. That's me. Do you wear tight pants for Noah? Yeah, only for Noah. In his Batcave. He wears no pants for me. Oh
0: God, you adopted him. (laughs) 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 And we have a guest this week. She, she broke in like a cat burglar. Call her cat woman. Our cat woman. Oh, yeah. yeah thanks I Noah. Got God it. damn it. <laughs> Stole the joke. <laughs> Amber Schenning.
2: I am defined by my pussy.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what we, we like to hear. <laughs> I think I love they you. <laughs> said They said they wanted a more diverse cast, and we got another white woman. <laughs> so, as stated before, we are doing quest building today. Find out. Some some quick tips and tricks on uh, how these DMs and future DMs actually maybe we could do that. Amber, you want to introduce yourself? Just kind of why you're here, what you want to learn, get you talking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm building a campaign right now. It's very vague, very in concept. So I'm here to learn and be the voice of the viewer.
1: Okay. This is your first time building a campaign? Yes. Oh, God, this is perfect. She's a blank slate. Good to know. Yeah, (laughs) You can corrupt her all you want. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been playing Dungeons & Dragons?
2: I was trying to figure that out earlier with Josh, and I think it's about a year I've been a player. I've been in, I think, five or six games now, uh, campaigns now. Um, But, yeah, about a year.
0: Okay, cool. So always a player, never DM, but looking to transform yeah. into the the god that yeah. these claim, these people claim to be. I'm not a god. Um,
3: I'm not a god. No kings are gods, only a demi. men. Okay. That's, uh, that's a Bioshock well-spoken. reference for all you guys.
0: All right. Uh, actually, that, that kind of leads into one of my questions. Uh, start off, I'm going to post some questions to our DMs, see what their answers are. If Amber has any questions, feel free to chime in. Pick their brains. You only have them for, I don't know, until the end of this podcast. They go to sleep after this podcast, and <laughs> they don't wake up until the next one. So, <laughs> You mentioned Bioshock there, Noah. I did. Do you use a lot of video games and uh, other pop culture? Give yourself quest ideas, or do you come up with them yourself? Uh, when it comes to pop
3: culture references, I think I, we all take certain themes and motifs from films, TV shows, books... Um, when it comes to video games, I think I maybe gain more inspiration from those. Cause that was just always the medium that I grew up with in terms of what I actually take from them though. I very rarely take like actual storyline. I kind of take the, th- the overarching theme or the motif from it. So like for Bioshock, for example, I would run like a dystopian utopia type of situation, right? Like I'd take the overarching idea of Bioshock and then apply that to maybe a campaign. Sure. Yeah. I've
0: probably done that in the past. Okay. You're not just all homebrew, you kind of take ideas from here and there. I, I mean, guess say, that is homebrew, my Yeah, to say yeah.
3: Yeah, to say that we don't get inf- inspiration from like homebrew is exactly yeah, it's brewed at home, right? Sure. But yeah, you take inspiration from things <laughs> oh, that mean oh, something. Oh, is, is that what that means? <laughs> you take inspiration from things that mean something to you, right? Like I mean, just if you were if you even yeah. if you run like a written storyline that Dungeons and Dragons puts out, which are awesome. Like, you know, you're going to put your little tiny twists and spins on things. Everyone takes inspiration from some things. I mean, no one is just like completely I've taken inspiration from nothing because there's no new ideas per se. Right. Everything's kind of something else in a different form.
0: What's the quote? It's like uh, great artists create their own work or no good artists create their own work. Great artists, great artists steal work and make it their own. Something like that. Yeah, I'm a great fucking artist. I don't know. So <laughs> Uh, How about you, Shane? Do you you take quest ideas from video games or uh, movies or shows? Anything like that? Or music, I guess you could Beyonce. Maybe that's your thing. I don't know. (laughs) Good Bard's quest.
1: Yeah. Music I have taken some inspiration from. Oh, like there's this one band I like. It's called Wolf Alice. One of their songs called Silk. Can you sing it for us? No, i can't (laughs) please (laughs) sing it you don't want to get copyright strikes oh true can't sing it (laughs) sing it robin (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i kind of like interpolate what kind of story it was telling to me and then i put that into a couple of characters that i've made it wasn't really a big story element but it was kind of their backstory and one of the uh one of the characters wrote a journal had like a diary i used one of the lyrics as some of his poems that he put in there so they're kind of like little easter eggs i guess but
0: that's cool yeah nice that's that's pretty interesting yeah i I always wondered where ideas from quests came from and it's kind of
1: it's kind of interesting to see it come from a song i never suspected that anyway yeah yeah i've also taken stuff from video games as well not really any quest like full quests or anything but if a video game kind of does something unique and kind of different I might try to put a D and D spin on that. Okay. You,
0: you. We were talking earlier about your campaign, Amber. You're kind of in the world building stage right now, which we talked about the last episode. So if you want some tips, you know, we could use another <laughs> download. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid to beg uh-huh. for downloads. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're kind of looking for quest ideas now. We were talking about what your main quest would be. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could get you to kind of talk about. Uh, your world right now, and maybe we can, as as I ask the questions, we can build off uh, that and work with your quest line to kind of, or your your story to build maybe some quests for you.
2: Yeah, so um, I've started off with the concept that there's nine planets, uh, instead of like having a material plane or a a Feywild and all the different planes, there's a god that kind of owns each planet. Each planet is run. Really differently. So there's like the planet of life and peace, and there's the planet of war and destruction. So obviously, that one's a little bit more rough Chaotic, around the edges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically where I'm at okay. for the world building right now. Um, I know for quest building, that's I guess that's one thing that I'm here to learn about is how you guys kind of get started with your quests. This is a really good question. Because I know for me, I. I'm really visual, so uh, I go and I find artwork that I like of characters, and I can try and kind of build quests around characters that look okay. cool, and that's how.
0: What I do you think. What do you get your uh, art from, like Google Images Pinterest. or Pinterest? Pinterest. Pinterest. Okay, that's, yeah. that's Noah's favorite.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. my
1: favorite. Yeah, <laughs> you can't go wrong with pinning. No,
2: <laughs> the best part is when you wake up in the morning and it says, "Hey." We have found 28 more images
3: that
0: we're gonna <laughs> love, and you're like, yeah. Yo, Noah, you should add her to your and Justin's Pinterest
3: page. Well, let's not get yeah, ahead totally of ourselves abort. here. It's uh, it's it's pretty. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> it's pretty exclusive right now. We actually <laughs> we post a lot of pretty controversial stuff on there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. that's a, that sounds like an interesting uh, world, anyway, or worlds, I guess I should say. Yeah. So as we as we get along, if if we can, we'll we'll try and uh, relate back to your world and try and maybe build something, maybe a quest line or maybe a, an idea for a quest line. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. All right. So my next question is, I'll I'll start with Shane here. So do you usually focus on one big main quest, or do you have like, do you focus on a lot of side quests, or do you what how do you mix them? How do you how do you like to do it? Or do you build the side quests as they come?
1: Well, there's normally the one big main overarching goal that Mm. I kind of present to my players and hopefully they make it. And then depending on the kind of characters that they create, I'll give each of them a side quest or just some kind of main quest that they can complete and then use that experience, the loot they get, whatever they the allies maybe they... Create along the way to kind of bring to the big overarching main okay. quest. So my campaign, there's a big dictator that they're trying to overthrow. So each player character has a quest where they assemble some part of uh, some part of an army. Basically, I have one guy who's trying to get funding for their their army. I have another one who's trying to get in with the thieves guild to get some you know secret. Into the castle or something like that okay yeah so
0: each of their side quests kind of builds into the main quest and uh they're each contributing in a different way kind of thing yeah okay that's
1: That's usually how i want to lay my campaigns out
0: okay yeah that's that's interesting because i i know well i'll let noah speak more on this because i know the way he plays is he usually has a main quest and then there are chances to build your character with side quests. I'll I'll let you talk about it, Noah. Um, Do you want to go into more detail how you build your quests, your side quests, and stuff like that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't typically... Look, I make a big storyline that I think everyone can contribute to. And within that storyline, it's not so much side quests, but every character can contribute in different ways. So not every encounter is going to be super bard-friendly or super monk-friendly or super druid-friendly. But you know, mm-hmm. certain players are going to shine at certain times, and that's just how it's going to go. But then, when it comes to what the individuals bring to the table, it's more so their ability to work together. Like a lot of my scenarios are based on, you know, driving them apart. There can be like forks in the road, but you know, a lot of the times, at least the players that I'm with now, most of the time, they're pretty smart. They realize that they can't really survive on their own. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, so what what ends up happening is together time is main quest time and they're looking to complete an objective or save the world or do something that they find valuable with their time in their downtime that's where the real character progression comes and i've absolutely had a blast with things like um prestige classes which unearthed arcana went into in 5e which i was super excited to see um you know, kind of had toyed around with those ideas before on Earth Arcana, just because I really liked it from previous versions of D&D. But downtime is just really the time where a player can... And I mean, you guys are going to see this in Dicey D20, but it's a time where a player can uh, really explore who they are, kind of build on their personality um, and on their abilities. And I find it's a great time to integrate really personalized quest lines. So for example, I had a druid who wanted to get into elemental shifting a lot more. So he went on a quest to find the druids of Aya or something along those lines, Gaia, Gaia, maybe it's Gaia. I don't know. Okay, And, um, and Gaia? so those, I think it's Gaia yeah, probably. Well, maybe uh, they, these druids, there's four, four of them and each one is, you know, kind of specific to an element. And so they need a fifth druid or guardian. And it's the druid of the moon, which is what, you know, this character was, he was a shapeshifter. So, you know, he helps them take care of one of their sisters who was like a blighted druid and who was kind of doing some naughty shit and then uh, you know in doing so he gains a bunch of specific skills so yeah that's kind of how my quest lines are are built i think downtime's a great time for character development characters can develop in the main quest line but a lot of the times the main quest lines like i ripped that guy's dick off and i wear it as a necklace so it's like there's not real progression there <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> okay if we move back to amber's quest line amber do you have uh, any ideas for a main quest line Or uh, have you even thought that far ahead yet?
2: So, yeah, I was thinking for um, kind of an overarching, as Shane put it, questline. As an overarching questline, I was thinking there would be basically the god of war and destruction trying to take over more planets. And as he did that, it would be this illness that kind of takes over. Um, I was hoping that, you know, they kind of partner with the god of life or they have the potential to partner with the god of life to destroy that evil. Or maybe they go with another god. Or maybe they want to take that side and they end up ruling all the planets. Ooh, kind of the goal is play to the bad guys, see mm. where that goes. And I kind of have this illness done up where it's like a plague that goes out and infects a whole bunch of people. Mm. And that's kind of the overarching campaign storyline.
0: Okay, that's kind of cool. That's a good um, that's a good starting
3: point. That's a good that's or... a good jump off point for sure. Like I mean you've got the right idea. You're 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 starting with I mean for you it's wartime, right? Which is a really good overarching quest line. But I don't know what I do is like my first idea is never the full idea. Like jump off from there and make it a little bit more complex. So, you know, is it the wartime faction that's making it's like it's the planet of war that's making the problems, right? But maybe it's not the planet of war that's behind it. So, like, you know, maybe it's the planet of greed or it's the planet of wealth that's, like, captured their god. Or maybe they're just, like, putting false prophets in there and they're stirring things up for their own Mm, gain, right? So the whole time the players are like, fuck these war fucks. They're
0: trying to kill us, you know? And then the whole time. (laughs) Or they're like, let's work for these war fucks.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and, And you know what? There's nothing better than a twist, right? You don't want it to be such a twisty journey that they don't know what the fuck's going on. But if you are able to throw in a subtle twist in the story, so um, if you guys ever are looking for a cool creative writing wheel, Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland, the guys from uh, Rick and Morty Hmm. put out this eight point process for writing a story. And I'm going to butcher the fuck out of it here, but essentially (laughs) like your characters start in a state of state of, uh, of comfort. They, they, uh realize that they want something they have to get out of their comfort to go get it uh once they've gone out of their comfort they realize hey this isn't so bad and if you're gonna twist the plot line i think it's at that point that you twist it and then they have to adjust right so you know once they're fine with the fact that it's the wartime faction once they've gotten far enough in that quest line you can be like psych it was actually the peace-loving fucks that just wanted the land they didn't want to do it themselves (laughs) Because they don't want to get their hands dirty
0: because they're pacifists, and then it's like boom. So you, so you, you usually recommend like one maximum two major twists in a story, and then any more than that, your characters are kind of like, okay, well, who are we fighting for? And they kind of lose their purpose of the fight. Is that kind of what you're saying? I'm saying that it complicates things when you twist shit too much.
3: You know, it's like a nipple during foreplay. Okay. A little tiny twist. Mm. Yummy. Okay. More than that, it's in the Nurple Zone, my friend, and that's not good for anyone.
0: Okay. I'm learning sex <laughs> tips as well as Dun- Dungeons and Dragons tips. This is your one stop shop, this podcast.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just also, I'm just also saying like, like you can oversimplify a story. Yeah. And with something that's so rigid in motifs, like planets that are based on emotions or actions, then it'd be really easy for that to just be a pretty cut and dried storyline. Um, and I'm just saying adding a little bit of complexity can really breathe some reality into it.
0: Okay. It's kind of cool. Do you just want to want to hit them? You're like, no, no, I don't. I hate, I hate criticism. (laughs) No, I think that
2: makes sense. (laughs) The only, the only question that I had with everyone talking that kind of popped into my head was how long your smaller quests go for, like how, how many sessions, I think on average sessions three to four hours okay um and how how long do you make those quests before you either don't think it's worth it or think it's too extravagant or let, maybe I'll your let, players don't like it i'll
0: let you take that one shane <laughs> yeah it depends because there's varying levels of side quests right probably i, yeah. I would assume as a player there's like quest lines that are like a branch off of the story and then there's sometimes it's just like oh the baker needs water or something like that so you go grab him water or something
1: right like yeah there's different levels like if you got a little quest for a player it's like kind of tailored to them maybe a full session would probably be a good length of time to play with smaller things for like just npc characters you know they don't have to take up too much time it really depends on on the on the quest on the quest and how kind of important it is to the story
0: yeah i mean it also depends on your players right because I mean, as yeah. a player, I know there's been some quest lines where I fucking take it off the rails <laughs> and all of a sudden that's our whole our whole session, right? Because yeah. uh, I've done something stupid or, <laughs> or done something that wasn't supposed to happen. And I mean, a side quest,
3: it depends on how major of a plot line part it is. If a side quest relates to the plot line, it can be as long as you want. If it's going to like for, so, for example, my players are playing a wartime as well with hobgoblins. The idea being that you know, there's the elves, the dwarves, and the men, and each one has a specific number of quests for it. So, like, there are bugbears raining down in the north above the dwarves, and then there are orcs that are infringing on the elves' forest. And so, they had an option for them to do any of these things to help the wartime, but which one they chose and at what point determined which people survived better or worse and how well they did overall in the storyline. So like, for example, if they left the dwarves too long, the dwarves wouldn't really be a formidable force in the final battle. That's about to take place. Mm-hmm. Right? If, you know, they didn't help Elion or for example, you know, in front of the human city, there's a bunch of, um, siege engines being built, but you know, they don't want to take those out too early because they'll just rebuild them before the war. So they kind of had to think strategically and everything kind of had a cause and effect. So I would just say if it's major to the storyline, as long as you want, if it's like a small, like my daughter's run off and he, she's with this farm boy in a, in a forest, uh, it's like scandalous, know, like a <laughs> session, maybe half a session, <laughs> right? You kind of have to determine how much of this, of your time you want to dedicate to it and how useful it is for your players. If they like it and they might love that farm boy and girl story, let them run with it. Like, fuck, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm intrigued
0: by that farm boy.
3: <laughs> Go on. <laughs> his name is gabe oh his name is gabe and her name is is uh is chelsea oh chelsea and gabe I thought you were gonna say no
0: no no is that guy gabe no, anyway no we're, we're getting off the track. <laughs> as a player I, if i'm interested in a side quest and it ends too early i'm like fuck like i really like that like <laughs> i mm-hmm. was doing some cool stuff with that and then well because at that point it's almost railroading right you're kind of railroading your players to get back to the main quest so do you kind of let them play it out first and then get to that the point always give them
3: the option to walk away okay like at any point in any quest line they should be able to walk away and i mean there's going to be consequences but at no point should you be like no you have nowhere else to go you have to do this Mm -hmm. right if they if they're not game for it just let them fucking walk and then they still feel like they have freedom of choice okay which they do
1: all right
0: so that kind of leads into my one of my next questions it's how much leash or leeway do you give to your players to solve a quest? Is there like, because I know some DMs like to do it. This is the one way to solve the quest. Um, If you do something else, it kind of fucks the quest up. And then you just have to go another way or do another quest or something like that. So how do you guys approach that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to solve different problems and different quests. Even just speaking on the campaign I was just talking about, right? They have an infinite number of choices. I mean, they could go help the elves, they can help the humans, they can go deal with the sand people in the south. They had a bunch of stuff going on, like, you know, the king of Elyon wanted a set of stone gauntlets which had the power of the ancients. The elven king wants some jewels back from a a dwarven kingdom. The dwarves have this dragon in the north that's fucking up some mining operations up there, so they're pissed about that. They had, like, legitimately 15 different things they could have done, mm-hmm. right? It's just, and, and they were told at the beginning, because they're high-level players, that the order in which they do them affects the long-term success. And so that's like, that's ultimate freedom right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had they had a choice to, A, not partake in any of it, or B, partake in whatever they wanted at whatever time and whatever, whatever order they saw fit to problem-solve, right? Okay. So, you know, they said, okay, well, the elves are probably fine for now, we're going to go deal with the dwarves. So they dealt with the dwarves and they were like, shit, we left the elves too long. And they fucking ran all the way to the fucking elves, right? There can be specific instances where, yeah, there's only one way to solve a puzzle. But, you know, there there's many ways to solve a quest line.
0: Shane, how much how much leeway do you give your, your players? And actually, this will be good because yeah. I think Amber is one of your players. So she can confirm or deny
1: this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> My quests, like I usually plan, have planned out how I would think it was going to End or how they would solve it, mm-hmm. but uh, if the characters come up with a creative way or something they really want to try, I'll usually run with it and let them attempt it. Depending on how like the personalities of the characters they're with, it might work or they might not. If they want to try intimidating this gnome, who's just a, like a coward, it'd be pretty easy for them to do, unless they're also a coward. Yeah, unless... Coward fight. Unless they're they not... They run the other way, uh, both of them. <laughs> unless they're not very intimidating. They're just a little ball of fuzz or something.
3: <laughs> but, you know, like there's... there's. I mean, for me at least, I write probably three or four contingencies for what might happen, right? So there's, there's the most likely scenario, but I find that they rarely pick that one off the top and they'll try something a little bit more obscure. So in my writing, I've actually learned to, over the years, just write... Uh, different uh, different outcomes for, for quests or for sessions or for individual encounters. Like, you know, you have to be ready for your players to throw you curveballs mm. and they rarely go with the choice that you think they'll go with. So, you know, you can off the top that, you can improvise it. But one of the best things you can do is like say, okay, if I was, like knowing your players is a good thing, but even just within your own self, just being like, okay, you know what? There's, you know, I want them to do this, but there's actually probably like four or five different things they could do. And then having stuff written for those five possibilities. They don't have to be fleshed out to the same extent as the main idea, but, you know, having some, some basis to go off of is
0: important. Okay. So do you, so when you do that kind of continuously plan where there's different ways, do you kind of do it? Um, I don't know. Have Have you guys ever played the telltale games like walking dead? Yeah. So you, you take, you make a choice in those games, but ultimately it still comes back to the same outcome. Do you do that? Or do you have different outcomes as well? No, there's based on, no, what it's do? always
3: different outcomes. I mean, the thing about D and D is that, you know, okay. If it was the same outcome, it'd be railroading. And, uh, the cool thing about D and D is you're not limited in the same way that like telltale or walking dead is right. you can, if they make a pretty grand-scale change of plans or they go about a quest a different way, I mean, there's consequences and reactions for everything, right? So most of the time, Mm -hmm. something's going to change, right? I was running a quest where they were dealing with some sea elves uh, doing kind of like a Hunger Games meets Olympics-type gameplay, and uh, the king asked them to do a quest for him. And, you know, if they, they had a choice between helping one of the lower elves in the city or helping the king, It was the same quest line, but from a different vantage point. But they're they're not going to get the money from the king if they don't help him, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not going to do, quote-unquote, what they saw as the morally right thing by helping the younger, less prestigious elf, right? So, um, you know, there's always different outcomes for different decisions. That's the beauty of D&D.
0: How about you, Shane? Do you do the one outcome or do you vary it a little bit?
1: Try to vary it. I plan out if they get the quest done you know obviously they'll get the rewards and you know it'll help them but there could be uh like uh, one of my quests i had some couple players they were investigating this inn that was rumored to be haunted okay they go in they look around and like oh yeah people have been people have died here they've gone missing we're gonna spend the night and uh uh, see if we can find the ghost and we'll attack it or whatever right so they spend the night and yeah the ghost shows up And they end up fighting it and defeating it. Hey, you know, we got rid of the ghost, so let's go to this guy and uh, collect our reward. But what really was happening was there was a gnome illusionist who was just casting this to try (laughs) and spread all these rumors about it being haunted. He wants to drive business to and down the street. Okay. So there's different outcomes. They could finish the quest early and not really complete it. They could figure out that that was going on. They even did something I didn't plan at the end of it. They got they found out what was going on. They ended up working with the gnome illusionist. He was a spy for the inn down the street. <laughs> okay. So they ended up working with him to go to the other inn and start making that place seem haunted. <laughs> <laughs> but like when they got there they started talking to the owner and ended up getting really good intimidation rules. So they were able to like bully their way in there and finish Jesus. the quest <laughs> that way. It depends on how they react to different things you should always plan out a couple things where you know it might end here so this is mm-hmm. what would happen at this point
0: um, yeah like kind of like what noah said you always give them an out to get out of the quest whenever they want to so
1: if they want to sure. finish it there they can but yeah but then there should be like the repercussions as well yeah of finishing the quest early or not
3: yeah so i mean for like amber's quest line for example i mean you can write out this whole wartime story all you want but to a certain extent if your players decide that they don't want anything to fucking do with that, you can't just be like, there's nothing else <laughs> happening in these nine planets that I've created. It's just yeah. the war, right? So you have to <laughs> have... <only> war. <laughs> yeah there's only war Every there's war everywhere <laughs> what about the peaceful planet war there too war everywhere that you can see
0: death is- <laughs> yeah
3: you need to have complex complexity to the world and there has to be other stuff going on that's kind of what's interesting about D is you have to create a living breathing world that has a lot of different options for quest
0: lines because there could but be th- like um sorry sorry to interrupt you noah but uh they like for years they could be like like there could be a Agreed, planet or something where they they are selling arms to the the uh, the war planet and maybe they work for them as like traders or something like that, like trade traders, not traitors, <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> like they're they're like Han Solo or something. They're like taking goods back and forth.
3: Well, or I mean, you 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 have someone hire them as armed guards, right? Armed escort for one of the arms shipments, and then you know they're actually a part of the trade. They get to see. Some of the arms get used and they're like, holy shit, like that's what happens when we make a bunch of money and people just like get killed. Right. And you might actually see like them change their tune or you might see them fall head first into becoming arms dealers. But, uh, you know, either, (laughs) either one could happen. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, I do have a question for you, Hammer, though. Are you going to allow them to start on different planets?
2: Yeah, like, they could definitely start on different planets. I don't know how I would get them together yet, but <laughs> I would hope that they could start on different planets. Well,
0: uh, if you think about it, there's what? There's nine alignments, right? Nine different alignment choices? Mm-hmm. So you could have, I mean, based on their alignment, which planet they are on. Yeah, that's you could true. You do that. I don't know how you'd get them together. That, that's a, that's a yeah. whole other problem, <laughs> but... Uh,
3: well, creating an organic encounter like that would be pretty challenging. Given, I don't know how easy space travel is. I'm assuming pretty easy, but um, but yeah, you. I mean, you got to start small. So even though you've created this really big, awesome universe, these nine planets to work in. I mean, you got to realize that they're starting off as level ones, right? They're literally unknowns to the world. No one knows their name. They haven't accomplished anything really cool, unless they're a folk hero. Um, so you got to start them off at a point where they can build their reputation and uh you know maybe they meet on like a transport vessel right or maybe they they meet when you know one guy is his village is attacked and you know one of the the guys there is actually a dude who is a soldier or something like that like you never you kind of have to work with your players but an organic encounter is always the best way to start off you have to understand that i mean your first episode is or your first session is probably just gonna be fucking around right
0: (laughs) always is (laughs)
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to give them an option to like kill an innkeeper, bury the body. They need a whole, you know, uh, GTA five experience for their first three hours of gameplay.
0: <laughs> how much do you think of your players when you're building a, a quest? And you know us from like we've been friends forever, Noah. And so it was probably easier for you to build a quest for us. But say you're building a quest for people you don't really know. How do you how do you go about that building for them?
3: I always just build what I think would be cool as shit to play, and then I go from there. Okay. But I mean, if you don't know your players and you're building, then you're pretty much looking at you got to pick a theme that you think people can relate to, right? You know, or it can be challenging for sure for players you don't know. But all I can say for that is, you know, maybe there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with sitting down with everyone who's about to play and saying like, hey, so what are you guys kind of like into? Because, you know, if you make this like horror and gore campaign and everyone's like, I kind of just wanted to like fuck some shit up. (laughs) <laughs> then that's going to be two very different vibes. And there's nothing wrong with like going to your players and being like, Hey, what are you guys into? Cause like every time that we f- complete a season or a campaign, I look at my players and I go, what are you guys interested in doing next? He and goes, I'm so like, disappointed
0: in you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do that?
3: <laughs> yeah. Followed by what can I do to make it so that you'll do better. Right. <laughs>
0: And the answer is always nothing. We'll always fuck up.
3: (laughs) Yeah. But ask them what they're into because that, you know, it's like fucking sex. We're going to go back to the twisting of the nipples. Ah. You know what I mean? If you never ask your partner what the fuck they're into, then you'll never know that you're doing it wrong. Right. They could just be nice and tell you that you're doing fine. But the sex is going to be way better if you just talk about it and say, you know what, I actually don't like it when you twist my nipple, and you're like, fuck, I've been twisting nipples for years. Like, <laughs> you, know, you gotta, you gotta figure your shit you're out. Like I love being my nipple t- being twisted. <laughs> I thought everyone Right, did. it's like, I thought horror and gore was sweet. You don't like that? No, I just wanted to like, you know, throw some kittens off a bridge or something. But you made me fight a <laughs> werewolf pack that <laughs> ripped my that's head a off. Bit, like, shit. That's a little bit
0: of gore. <laughs> If your players are killing kittens in game, I think you have to talk to them about something (laughs) about their life. No, they're
3: just they're just chaotic neutral, man. Spread some peanut butter on that (laughs) shit. Swallow it whole. It's all good. We've all had chaotic neutral. That's what I'm wondering
2: too. Because like, do you guys ever limit your characters during a quest? Do you guys ever say, "Look, I do not have an answer for what you're doing. You're not allowed to do that."
0: Oh, Noah, all the time during the Dicey D20 podcast. Whenever I say something stupid or I have an idea, he's always like. (laughs) is that really what you want to do or <laughs> look, I don't want to stop no, you, I mean, but, <laughs> uh,
3: that's, that's kind of my go-to line is like, yeah. look, I'm your friend. I'm your DM. I can never tell you not to do something, but I highly suggest you don't do like, you know what I mean? Like I've had players legit, like walk into like the King's chambers and just strip naked and be like, what, you want to fucking start something? And it's like, dude, as your friend, I'm suggesting you don't do that. Right. But I don't ever say no. You know what yeah. I mean? I ridicule, well, and that kind of sets the tone. But
0: I don't know how many times I, I like you say that to me, and I just go, "I'm doing it anyway." Like <laughs> it's happening, and and you're just like, "All right, let's see where this goes."
3: <laughs> yeah, no, you never want to limit. You always want to. You can always, as a friend, suggest things, um, but you never want to say no. You can't because that's not what D and D's about. D and D's like, oh, you want to learn about that cryptic message that was in the bathroom. Sure, you can seduce the barmaid and talk about it over pillow talk. Like, I don't know, fuck, like do whatever you want, right? Like
0: I don't know, Shane, do you have any uh do you just railroad your players hard and just keep yeah. them on the on the straight and narrow? Yeah, pretty much. Just <laughs> like
1: keep shoveling coal. <laughs> <laughs> I think that like overall the we're making the stories for our, our characters and we're trying to play for them basically, give them this experience. I think it's pretty important like there's an improv rule called like yes and and you always just agree with what they say and then you keep building off of that And i think that's something that you can also use in D Mm-hmm. so saying okay yeah we'll do that and then trying to build off of that for them it's you're starting to make the story for them like on the spot yep you're able to build it you're really you good get at- instant feedback from them
2: you're really good at that too with um even just simple things in character development we had one mission where we went into this cave and there were these uh, owl bears, <laughs> and one of our characters tried to make friends with them and went up to the little, like puppy one.
1: Yeah, there was uh like two cub owl bears and a mama owl bear. Yeah,
2: and uh, she was like, "Do you want to go listen to music and hang out?" <laughs> and Shane took right advantage of that and went, "I don't know what music is," <laughs> and then of course we start killing the owl bears. <laughs> And yeah. Shane's voicing this, like, Rubber Tuck or whatever its name was.
1: Yeah, I came up with the names on the spot, and they became Rub and Tom. <laughs> the... Yeah,
2: everyone really liked that one. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Shane screaming, I don't like music, <laughs> as he watches his brother die. It was a really good improv yeah. moment.
1: That's funny. <laughs> yeah, they were trying to, like, clear out this den, but they found a couple of are Like, oh, we'll befriend them and take them along our way. We had a druid, and they're like, oh, I'm going to get a new pet. <laughs> like, as all druids think yeah so it could have happened that they recruited them but because they s- said oh we're going to teach you music and then our like chaotic rogue started chaotic evil rogue uh, cha- yeah started attacking the, the mama bear and the other bears so like oh this music's terrible you <laughs> I never want to do this again I didn't know
0: this is what music yeah. was <laughs> so
1: if they were able to like switch around and end up getting one of the bears to actually stay alive and follow them not be too freaked out by them that bear would have hated music from (laughs) for the rest of its life you know so there's different things like that you gotta kind of just go with when they mention things like that my players haven't really done anything outrageous that i thought would ruin the story or go too far off so i guess i've been kind of lucky there i should come play
0: your your campaign
1: (laughs) (laughs) man that's all my players do (laughs) yeah
0: well uh, sab's pretty good
3: yeah, I mean, I had this recent campaign. there. They just came off the tail end of it where uh, there was this uh, red warlock who's essentially been alive for like millennia and he offers them all... He's a demon warlock, so he offers them all really, really cool magical items uh, in exchange for very, very important things. So he had one of them kill his girlfriend. He had another one give up his child. <laughs> um, You know, he had another one uh, just give him an unconditional favor and then he had another one give up his god as a cleric. And so like... You holy know, shit y- your players can do whatever they want you know what i mean and give them the choices right like in josh's very first campaign that he ever played with me as the dm you know he made a pretty huge decision to join loth's armies in mm-hmm. <laughs> in the, uh, the the demon web you know yep. and uh if you g- the more choices you give them the more they want to play guaranteed if they feel like they have no say it's it's garbage
0: and uh, speaking as a player's perspective Uh, in our first playthrough yeah I I betrayed my friend I put that in air quotes I I started working for the bad guy basically and the whole time me personally I was like I was always thinking about it like when when I wasn't playing the game I was like fuck did I make the right choice did I do this and and it really engaged me to say the least like you never just said no I couldn't go and then I'd, I'd be like I kind of be pissed because because <laughs> I thought of this whole plan and I, I wanted to execute on it where I would betray the bad guys kind of thing. Later on, I had this whole con, and uh, it, for a play as a player, it was really engaging to have that option to go do what I wanted.
2: Yeah, sometimes yeah. I have the opposite experience where, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm presented with an option, and then when I take advantage of that option, I end up killing half the party. <laughs> so I'm really not down for when that happens. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I don't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm good at that. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, skill's a skill. <laughs> take advantage of whatever skill you have. P- play yeah. a butcher character where you just you are the bad guy. <laughs> you just kill everyone anyway.
2: Be the DM and the players of my own game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so going into our last question here before we go into stories, I kind of want to just get a what's a what's a big no no for uh, for for DMs because um, there's there's a lot of them, but I just kind of want to get a couple couple big ones that you guys can think of off the, off the top. Um, if you think of one uh, as a player or as a DM yourself, that's that's fine. So uh, Noah, do you want to go into uh something you would never do as a DM?
3: Yeah, sure. Um I guess I mean railroading is one that we oftentimes talk about, so I won't spend too much time on railroading. Give your players choices. It's pretty much as simple as that. Yep. Don't uh and this is kind of another another big one, I guess, is when you're creating your storyline, don't become too attached to it. If they want something different, if they choose not to partake in it, don't be offended. Just like, you know, buck up, move on. Yep. Um, not not every single idea you're going to have is going to be a super big hit, especially when you start out. I don't know. Don't think too big. You know what I mean? Think small. At least your first session with new players who've never played D&D and even some veteran players is going to be chaos. You know, I had a player who was pretty <laughs> experienced eating another player's mice. You know what I mean? Like, and and that lasted for three sessions before we even got into anything serious. Um, Be prepared for some craziness. You know, don't feel this pressure to make this like Harry Potter-esque world. As you play more, your worlds are going to get super interesting and complex. And there's going to be factions and interrelation between people. And it's all going to make sense. And and don't question yourself, man. Like whatever you feel like is going to be cool, you know, whatever you can find mechanics for, whatever interests you is going to interest your players. So, I mean, I guess the biggest thing is just, is is don't be discouraged if, you know, your first session you felt like you were fumbling with it, right? Because, like, we were all there. My first session I fumbled with it. You know, you're there and you're just, you're having a hard time pulling the names out of a hat, and you know? And, and who's <laughs> this NPC? Shit, well, I didn't make a name for that NPC. It's like, it's all good, <laughs> man. Next time you're going to have a pre-made list of 10 random NPC names. You know what I mean? And you're going to have all the stuff that you need. So as you go, you grow and, uh, yeah,
0: don't be discouraged. Just if you enjoy it, do it. Okay. That was a lot of, uh, no, no's and yes, yeses, If you call them. That. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess so.
3: I mean, I, I like I, them. I, I don't know. Player freedom is important, but, um, but more, more so than that is just, you know, um, your storyline definitely has to be able to adapt and, you know, if they choose to do something very different than what you pictured, it's okay and realize that that's probably going to change the outcome of the story like you know for amber's questline for example you know if they choose to help the wartime faction you know the wartime faction should you know you know have a chance of winning if you know and if they don't help the wartime faction it doesn't necessarily mean it has to lose but i mean you have to kind of realize that your players especially at higher levels are going to have the ability to shape and impact the world right I mean, if my players right now chose to help the hobgoblins, those hobgoblins would win, hundred percent, hundred percent. They would win. Like my one buddy has glacial meteor storm as a spell. Okay, he can bring down forty foot radius four of them, these huge meteors of ice, and murder everything in an area for thirty six d six damage. Like, Holy shit. He, he, right. like he can he he can change the entire tide of a war. Right, so. I think with quest building, it's just, it comes back to, you know, when you're starting out, make it simple. If it, you know, seems a little too simple, throw in a twist, throw in the purple nurple. but don't (laughs) twist it too hard. And, uh, yeah, just come up with something
0: that you find interesting. All right. Thank you, Noah. What about you, Shane?
1: Uh, I kind of have this problem with like a campaign I'm playing in right now and it annoys me. It's most important to remember that the, the player characters are the heroes of the story Mm. so you should never really let them become the sidekick crazy. the sidekick or just spectators maybe yeah
0: that's a good one actually as a player i hate that when i uh, when i'm yeah. uh yeah when like i'm just, like when we're... i do all this stuff and and someone else gets credit for it or yeah like you're you're basically the, not the not the hero which i mean your first few levels you're not going to be the main hero sure you're going to be the the underdog right but eventually get to that hero status right
1: yeah it's not really fun just watching events unfold around you and you can't really influence them too much and mm-hmm. you don't ever feel like yeah i this was what i did this yeah. session i was able to get this done
0: well i mean the best part of D and D is later on telling people hey i did this in this quest line and it was super cool and wh- whereas if you go and you can't be like yeah my dm showed me this <laughs> this, <laughs> this character do this cool thing like it's yeah. not as that's not the same right how about you amber any any gripes as a player any
2: So I know I played in a Saturday night game and the DM just took no one's backstory and like didn't didn't read it, didn't just care about it. Threw it under the rug. Yeah. <laughs> like so, you're all
0: you're all blank slates. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I know for me it's like don't ignore your players, kinda similar to what Shane said. Make sure that um make sure that they're a primary person in the storyline and make sure that you know, if they're putting work into their character and created a really good backstory, they are actually using hmm. that as well. Because it sucks when I know as a player, I put a lot of work into my backstories and I try and make it really cool and in depth, and can't wait to see what the DM does with it. No. And if they don't end up doing anything, then
0: well, I mean, what better way too. to get your players engaged in their own character, right? Yeah. I mean, once you're engaged with your character and you feel like that character is part of you, like it's that's the best, right? Like. Then the highs are high and the lows are low, right? Like <laughs> yeah. if you die with that character, it's like like you're just like heartbroken and yeah. upset. And uh, whereas if it's just like uh, some blank slate that your DM doesn't care about, then it's it's, it's hard to get attached yeah. to that, right? I'm not
2: playing an yeah. NPC. I'm playing my character. Yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. All right, that's a that's a good one. I like that yeah. one a lot. You can kind of like tie that a little bit back into the uh... I forget what question it was, but we are talking about playing with new characters, mm-hmm. playing with new players that you haven't played with before. Yep. Having them, like Noah suggested, uh, just, just asking them what they like, just kind of even what if they want to get out of D&D. But having them write their backstories and then reading them, there might be hints of what they want to happen mm-hmm. with their characters. For example, the rogue I'm playing with, the first line that he started up with was he woke up uh, shipwrecked with tons of tattoos and scars, and no memory of what happened, mm, He's and like then, a wolverine, yeah, cool. <laughs> pretty similar, and then he started stealing from the streets and eventually climbed like a this gang ladder and got pretty high into a a gang. but that gives you a opportunity to write his back story, I guess, how he got to where, where he, he started writing and uh, yeah, and that gives you maybe a little quest to actually. Give him the chance to find out where he came from and what those scars and tattoos might be for
0: sure that's a that's a yeah, that's a good point uh, looking into your characters their character's backstory and using it mm-hmm. as a possible side quest later. i think a big no-no for me uh <laughs> i hate this okay so <laughs> i don't know if you guys have ever had this i, I know you two have but a dm Say no, we're restarting this campaign because you guys <laughs> have Fuck fucked that, it up son. so much. Fuck yeah, that. that is the worst. <laughs> because you, as a player, and you, as your group, have made this conscious decision, or even accidentally, have fucked up the quest. That's fine. right there should be, always be another way to get back into the quest. Yeah, because
3: um, or so- not, like just fucking grow up. Like if they, if they really <laughs> fucked it up royally, then now continue writing it as though yeah it's messed up you know yeah. what i mean if their whole job was to protect the princess from an army of trolls and the princess dies don't restart the fucking quest just be like <laughs> shit they failed but now what's the world like without this princess right yeah you know write, what i mean like write up some go consequences
0: write up some consequences Fuck. and some some outcomes to it because uh, there's nothing more defeating as a player than having your choices and and decisions and outcome, like the things you have done mean absolutely nothing when it gets reset i, I get it if you're playing skyrim and you save before you go <laughs> in and murder a bunch of people but yeah. when you when you're when you're in the game and and uh and you're you're interrogating someone and you cut his head off without asking the right questions that's your choice <laughs> you you cut the head <laughs> off uh that should be uh, your your decision to live with whether your group yeah. hates you or not. Yeah. And uh... and I mean, on, on top of that, like this kind of flows with that
3: is like realize that not all your players are good guys. You know what I mean? Some that of too. them are fucking bad dudes. Some of them are indifferent to the problem. Some of them really care and some of them are just like there for the ride and to have fun. Like yeah. writing a quest line uh, with the whole knight in shining armor motif is all well and good if you have a group of paladins who are lawful good. But like... <laughs> If you don't have a group of all paladins that are lawful good, then, like, understand that some of your players are going to do some pretty fucking dickish things. Like, you know, everyone's going to be talking to the king. One of them's going to have his hand in the fucking cookie jar, right? Like, stealing (laughs) some shit. And it's like, you got to be fine with that. Yeah. And the consequences are the consequences. But, like, people are living and breathing. People make good and bad decisions and do good and bad things, quote unquote. And so do players, right?
0: Yeah, and everyone makes mistakes in real life, so you should be able to make the mistakes in the game as well, right? Yeah, and oh, for sure. And you can you can you can take it a funny route. You can make it a funny outcome, uh, like whatever. Just do whatever you want, but make it so that your players feel the feel the effects of their decisions, and not feel like their decisions are pointless.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I love the idea of no matter what the decision is, that they can keep going too. Because I know, I feel like sometimes I make a decision in the campaign that uh, Josh is referring to. <laughs> and like I said earlier, I just end up killing a bunch of party members. And in my in my game that I play those nights, I'm known in my party to party wipe all the time. Yep. But I feel like part of that is because I make decisions that aren't what the dm expects he even said right after i killed everyone wow that is not how i expected that to go and it's like well don't make it go that way <laughs> like you're the one narrating yeah. this
3: yeah i mean it, whenever you're writing a storyline if your storyline hinges on one dude <laughs> whose whose head can't be cut off surviving then you gotta dig deeper and pl- put your little uh put your feelers out in some other areas too man like if your quest line hinges on something so fragile you cannot be upset if it filters, right? Because yeah. like, you know, it's got a. There's got to be more depth to it than that. If this one dude that you're interrogating is the only one who's got the information you need, and the quest line cannot possibly go forward without him, then that's a recipe for fucking failure, my friend. Because <laughs> like, there's a <laughs> lot that can go wrong with that, right? Yeah. Like my quest lines are, you know. They've got so many different angles to go about it. They don't need to talk to one dude in one place at one time to get that shit started. It's all around them. You know mm-hmm. what I
0: mean? Like there's billboards and yeah, all that stuff. Go right this
3: right. way for Werewolf Clan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, if, you're, if it's yeah, if your players are dumb, yeah, just write it out for them. <laughs> all over the no, sand, and trees. Though. It says it says this is the way to the quest now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, so that's that's kind of my main, a big gripe for me. Another gripe you've kind of talked about, Amber, is player killing. I think should be an event. Like it should be, it should resonate with people. It shouldn't be like an every other session kind of thing. It should be, this is a this is a fucked up. Like you feel that shit, right? Like if a player dies, you feel it. You're like, yeah. fuck, that sucks. I feel bad for whoever it is. Like whoever's player dies. And, and like the whole group feels the loss and that player feels the loss and, and <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, it, when, if players die too often, you
3: lose, it's like dark Soils. you become mm-hmm. desensitized to the loss. You know what I mean? You're just yeah. like, I expected to die tonight four times, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> um, if you have to, you have to be very careful with the concept of you know, a player's mortality in their life, especially at early levels, they can die really easily. Mm-hmm. But a really important part of quest building is that it's fluid, right? I mean, if you build a quest and they're that night, you're rolling hot and they're rolling cold, you got to ease off, man. Because, like, <laughs> if you kill someone every session yeah. or kill, t- I know a DM who legitimately, his ratio is like two player characters die every night.
0: Holy shit. And,
3: uh, and they don't enjoy it and they hate it. And well, I, yeah. and one of my buddies was like, dude, you DM'd me for so long. I didn't realize how shitty it would be out there in the real world. Man. <laughs> and, uh, and I felt bad for him. But like, if I've had players who di- who have died once in 17 levels, like died, died, not just mm-hmm. went down, but like died. Yeah. Um, completely died. And like that brought tears to the most, <laughs> you know, strong and manly man I've ever met. Like he, had moisture in his eyes, and it's the closest I've ever seen to him crying, and it meant something.
1: You well, know that's, what I mean? Yeah. When Tasha right? died, yeah, it shouldn't be an every game thing. Yeah, that sounds like the kind of D D experience you want.
0: Well, yeah, because you you want like your character should be a part of you, like it's it should be like or like a family member. That's basically what it should be, right? Yeah. And your your group members should like I mean, unless they're chaotic evil and you're like lawful <laughs> good, they probably shouldn't be family member, but. I mean, most of your group should be like, like a part, like you're all connected in a way. Well,
2: see, and I would almost disagree with that because even a chaotic, to me, in Mm -hmm. my eyes, even a chaotic evil character is in that party for a reason. I agree, yeah. They're in there for maybe their own fucked up shit
0: that they want to do. They need
1: friends, too. I I was saying, (laughs) yeah,
0: I was saying maybe your characters don't get along. But I mean, yeah, you personally would still feel something if their character died, right? Whether it be like, like, like a good feeling or a bad feeling, right? It could be both. Mm-hmm. but that's what i mean you should you should have your play you want your players to play the character right that they built they created they they spent time on these characters right and you mm-hmm. you should respect that as a dm i think and look and- i'm not
3: saying that they shouldn't face adversity i'm not no. sh- saying they shouldn't be challenged and they shouldn't come within you kind of have to understand and the dm's handbook is really good for this right like if it's a low xp situation they should probably breeze through it a little bit if it's a mid xp situation they could be faced with some difficulty but you know if it's a high XP situation, yeah, they could face some some really troublesome things. The fight could go terribly for them, mm-hmm. and they can kind of bounce back from that. But if you're relentlessly pounding them... Here's another problem I have. Not only just death every session, but if you are um, putting them up against a end-of-quest-style high XP, high-risk... High reward, likeliness of death quest <laughs> at the end of every single session or during every single session. You're doing it wrong, man. Yeah. D D is about highs and lows. It's a mixtape. You cannot put on a banger every single <laughs> fucking session because they they won't they won't know anything any different. Like they yep. they'll never role play. They'll never experience the world it actually is. They're just fighting an ultra-troll mega-boss every single time, <laughs> and, you know, that can be A, monotonous, B, it kills characters, mm-hmm. and there's no creativity there. It's like, you know, if you want to build up to a crescendo, you don't just want it to be crescendo, 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 yeah. crescendo, like over and, <laughs> over and over again, right? Like so You want the you want it the It goes hand-in-hand hand with death, yeah. right? You can't You can't put them up against high challenge all the time, and you can't kill them all the time. Those are two no-nos.
2: I think sure. that leads me to kind of a weird question that I feel like I'd be facing when I'm making quests is that how do you know what's going to be when I make a quest how do I know or how do I gauge um, how much experience to give for that kind of quest
3: that's a good question
1: yeah that is a good question I know like monsters in the monster manual have uh challenge ratings and then experience based on that challenge rating the way I do it is usually if they kill a monster they share that xp but then I'll give them some xp if they killed like, it in an interesting way, they <laughs> worked well together, they okay. if it was a fun encounter, give them a little extra experience. Yeah, if it's a big quest and like a big milestone or something, give them a nice bonus or something like yeah. that.
3: Yeah, I mean XP is something that can be you have to understand that there's multiple ways to run through a quest line, there's multiple ways ways to run through a session. So, you know, if a troll's guarding a door, if they find a way around the troll, I'm still giving them XP for that. You know, I'm not just... The only way to get XP isn't just by killing the troll, you know? So um, give XP based on merit is what I mostly do. Um, Sometimes I have a really fun little tidbit where I only give XP to players who get the kill. So when they're up against like 14 desert wasps, you know, it's kind of like a competition to see who can down the most of them (laughs) because they get 100 (laughs) XP each, right?
1: Yeah.
3: Um, You know, XP is something that, yeah, is based on challenge rating. And so, but as a DM, I find that sometimes... Like when they fight a zombie, even though a zombie is a challenge rating like one or two, if they have a really hard time with that zombie, I might give them a little bit more XP for that. <laughs> I might give them 50 more, a hundred more because sometimes zombies can bounce back every single fucking turn, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you kind of decide. And organic encounters, non-combat, you can give experience as well. Don't forget about inspiration points. Don't forget about like other cool things you can hand out based on their class or their race or their background. It doesn't mm-hmm. just have to be XP. You can also re- reward them with weapons, uh, with cool gear, with really interesting magical items, boons later on in D&D become a big thing, feats and stuff like that, so there's a lot of ways to reward. XP is one of them, and uh, it definitely depends on the challenge rating and merit.
0: For sure. I would I would argue, as, as this is from a player's perspective, so I might be a little bit swayed, but I would argue more XP is almost better, not not like an extreme amount, but like... You want your players to grow. And I mean, at, at a certain point, 100 XP is not going to mean much, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so giving them a lot of XP at the beginning is not going to mean much in the long run, but it might allow them to level up a bit quicker to get a bit more of the skills that they want, which allows you to give them harder quests and stuff like that. That's, that's just my perspective as a player. Uh, personally, I like yeah. getting the quicker level up so i can get to the harder quest lines and stuff like that yeah, yeah. josh um, and
2: i touched on that earlier where i've been playing D for a year and i think the highest level i've been is level five or six
1: yeah mm. oh shit dude we, that sucks. we
2: party wipe we party wipe or we complete the campaign so i'm itching to play a quest or to play a campaign where i can maybe even freaking start at level five like i'm so over <laughs> it so I'm Dude, like, prepare I know... to get
3: fucking hard because I have players that are 18s, <laughs> 19s, and 20s and we're thinking about expanding past 20 and uh, they've got like crazy epic weapons. Um, you know, it's it's a whole other style of play when you're up at those levels and they can actually take on real challenges, man. And they actually can do some pretty nasty shit. Like Glacial Meteor Storm, for example, is just one of those things, right? <laughs> yeah. Like they, well... uh, Like playing with high level characters, nothing beats it as a DM. It's way more freeing. I can do... Pretty much any idea I've ever had for a quest line, I can run it now, and uh, I love that because the first five levels, your quest lines are pretty generic.
0: Yeah, you can only kill that... you can only kill hobgoblins so often <laughs> before you're like yeah the block. shit
3: the shit opens up man it's pretty fucking wild yeah and I'm yeah. always
2: I'm always surprised with how it works with the different DMs because I know from like a gaming background you know you can breeze through level one two three four five mm-hmm. fairly quickly most of the time. And then I know for me as a player in D&D, I'm, I'm always like, why does it take me eight sessions <laughs> like, to, get, to get to level three? <laughs> Make
3: it stop. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as a general rule of thumb for quest building, your characters should reach level one by the end of the first session. And okay. then they should probably reach level two by the second or third. Level three should probably be the third or fourth. And then you start to kind of get into the exponential growth where they maybe have to grow a little bit slower. But throw in throw in XP for good things that they did for non combat stuff, right? Yeah. Or for for combat as well, and uh, they should be able to grow pretty quickly.
0: All right. Um, so we're gonna move into uh, last week. We talked about doing possible stories from our audience, and we got a we get quite a bit of response. So we're gonna we're gonna read
1: out one of the stories that we were sent. We'll read out this one. So. Yeah. Just curl up in your blanket and curl, curl, close cool. your eyes and listen to this story. If you if you hate
2: mug if you
1: if you hate D and D stories, and uh,
2: turn this uh, off now. I I don't know why you're Abort. a DM, but
0: <laughs> um, so so this one comes from at puddle eighty eight underscore eighty eight from Twitter. Puddle was uh he started off DMing. Uh, he created a a single player dungeon crawl to get like. Into DMing, right? He he wanted to, he was starting off trying to world build and learn how to build quests. So he started a small little uh, dungeon crawl with the uh, with a player. So he he ran he ran uh, this with two players. So after the first encounter, uh, they had two they were fighting two zombies. The one decided to cut off the head and tie it to his belt with what hair he had, they had remaining, and then referred it to his as, as his friend as C- Cutther. Cutbert <laughs> for the rest Cuthbert, of the game. Man, come on. <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
1: You're
3: he, not doing Puddle Justice, man. Cuthbert's a dope name.
0: Uh, he proceeded to voice act both the character and Cutbert <laughs> the severed head throughout the dungeon and having a three-way conversation like that was that was one of the NPCs I placed in the dungeon <laughs> leaving me to act out the NPC confronting a madman talking to a severed head. He carried on this throughout the dungeon speaking to it mid-fight and asking it for advice. If he got stuck, and then giving himself the answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's Whoa. amazing. That's really
0: awesome. I love that story. It's, uh, oh
2: my god, that player deserves some major inspiration points. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh,
0: he, he was uh, he was telling me he has another friend that does shit like that, so he's he's gonna add a third player into this this campaign. And he said he's super excited to to see how that that <laughs> plays out. <laughs> But that's Dude, a,
3: Puddle, you couldn't have gotten a fucking better first session, man, because cutting body parts off and attaching them to your belt is pretty much a staple of D&D. Uh, it, whether it's dicks, fingers, ears, heads, I've had player characters carry around pretty much every appendage you can think of on a fucking belt. So, uh that's pretty much d and d man If you can handle that, you can handle anything, man.
1: <laughs> I have a similar story to this, actually. It's so I good. just <laughs> remember now. This is my first campaign ever. one of the first sessions that I played in. I was playing a rogue, and he was a kleptomaniac, so he'd just take whatever he wants, like he would never do it just to keep it. he' sometimes <laughs> he would keep it, he might just give it as a gift to somebody. <laughs> I said he sometimes just buries it because he's tired of carrying it around and doesn't want people to help. He doesn't want other people to have it. Okay. So <laughs> we were fighting knolls, and, uh, he searched, I searched one of the knolls and found a child's head in his backpack. Oh God. So yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> and as you do. Yeah. Stick that in my backpack. Another player was, I think she was a school teacher. She's an orphanage owner, orphanage owner. And in this quest, like some knights came in, uh, slaughtered all her orphans and took her captive basically. Oh shit. So that happened in the past and we're playing a little bit. We end up together and we're going through a dungeon together. (laughs) I ended up picking up this knight guy that I really liked. I hired him to hang out for a little bit, for a little bit he ended up being one of the knights that slaughtered her orphans oh shit (laughs) so mid dungeon crawl she (laughs) confronts him at the top of a staircase and they get in a bit of an argument and she shoves him and then he tumbles down the stairs and ends up falling to the bottom and gets stabbed by like a bunch of skeletons or something like that and dies so my rogue who's pretty annoyed ends up slipping that orphan that child's head into her backpack <laughs> She <laughs> and had, that sat there for I don't know how many that was quite it, a while it was Multiple
2: in her sessions. bag for like six sessions oh my yeah. god it was the best <laughs> weight of my entire life <laughs> To wait for that climax of when she pulled it out, and what happened was, um, our DM made her roll to see like a dexterity or something. She ended up rolling low and dropped her backpack, so <laughs> the head tumbled out onto the ground while a bunch of children were around looking at oh the heroes. It was the greatest <laughs> play. It was so good.
0: That's hilarious. So uh, so that that's a good that's a good link back to. Puddle story. Yeah. So thanks for sharing, Puddle. Uh, If you guys want to share your stories, feel free to uh, message us on Twitter at DiceD20Pod or Facebook with the same name. If you guys want to support us on Patreon, you can do that. DiceD20 Podcast. Other than that, I think we're we're good. If you guys have any puddle, uh, if
2: you want to join my quest and campaign (laughs) when it's all done up, (laughs) message Josh.
0: (laughs) I will not relay the message. (laughs) Uh, So I just want to say thanks to my DMs. Thank you, Amber, for joining us on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Maybe we'll have you out uh, again sometime. I don't want that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you guys for listening.
2: I'm defined by my pussy, and have a good night.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We'll try and get a more diverse cast next time. (laughs) Dude,
3: this is as diverse as it gets, man. We love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. I'm not defined by my pussy, and I'll see you guys later.
0: (laughs) Have a good night, guys.